Did the Ravens just cross off receiver as a draft need? Is Brandon Marshall worth a spot at the end of your dynasty bench? And what was I thinking trading Deshaun Watson to Dave? Plus, FFPC 1250 number two dynasty champ Steve Lee will join us shortly to talk about cashing in on A.J. Green, how to handle starting running backs that may not have a job after the NFL draft, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. What more can I say? We top billing it. Stallion without billing it. Viciously found victory. Burnt towns and villages. Burning looting and pillaging. Murderers try to hurt us. I just want the bread and bologna bundles to talk away. I don't work for free, I am barely giving up away. So tell Big and Johnny and Mommy to get the away. Hey, yo, here's a gun, son, now run, get it the gut away. Live to shoot another day. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Nobody's Thank you so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Gerzakanatics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, is Deshaun Jackson in for a bounce back? Is Tariq Cohen in for a breakout? And is Josh Allen's aunt thirsty? More on that later. Shout out to the chat room right now. I'm intrigued. Yeah, feel free to post any questions you might have in there if you uh, want to connect with us on Twitter. The show is at HSFF Power. Uh, I am at Eric Balkman. Dave is at David Gerzak. Facebook.com slash HSFF Power is where you can get a hold of us. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Uh, if you want to give us a call tonight. High stakes fantasy football at gmail.com is, of course, the inbox that our producer and mutual friend Rob monitors as well as our audio engineer, Bryce. If you have any questions for us, get them in now. Actually, get them in before the show starts. But if you have any last, look, we all got stuff going on. I get it, okay? Send them in when you can. Send them in now. Uh, we'll try to get to all of them in the uh, fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. The Football Guys Early Bird promotion is, of course, going on. Remember that you can get a free $35 team credit at myffpc.com when you buy your Football Guys team before June 30th and draft it before July 15th. We'll do that up to three times for three free teams. Check that out at myffpc.com. The main event Early Bird is, of course, expiring at the end of May. The room discounts at Planet Hollywood are going fast and furious. Make sure that you... Contact uh, Greg Sidoris, our uh, Casino Connection host. CasinoConnectionUSA at gmail.com is his new email address. That's where you can reach him at. Uh, you can also go to MyFFPC.com, the banner there. Click on that. You can book your stay at Planet Hollywood at those uh, discounted rates. Register for best ball drafts starting at $35 and up. Dynasty Startup, Cinco de Mayo, going to be crazy. That's when they're going on. You can register for, uh, register for them now before they fill up, but they do begin on May 5th. Dave? Anything to uh, to try? You you were off last week. We had a great show. Did you uh, have a nice uh, uh, rest? Nice time off? Nice vacay? Yeah, it was great. It was yeah. Marco Island it was uh, super fun. Florida. It's our buddy, buddy Aaron. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I was a Hurricane Irma earlier this year. The 
the condos and all those things are getting replaced and repaired. The restaurants are open. Bars are open. It's uh, They're doing just fine. Yeah, I, I saw some of the photos on Swarm. It looked like you were having a, a great time. I don't know if you know this. We got dumped on up here. Yeah, my, uh, my lovely wife uh, told me all about it. Yeah. yeah she was not happy. Well, you know, take care of all that. I get, did she was she plowing and shoveling herself, or did you have some we sort had, of? We had a service that was supposed to do it, but then like they bailed on us on the on the yeah. on the final snow thing or whatever. So she left them an interesting message. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, let's uh, get some interesting messages uh, tonight from our uh, from our guest, who I want to bring in right now. Uh, he took up high stakes fantasy football six years ago, almost exclusively with the FFPC, and it's been a fantastic experience. He says, both in terms of the entertainment, but also the higher standard of competition. His first dynasty league was indeed the 1250 number two startup, and he's added four other dynasty franchises since then. He also plays in the main event with the FFPC every year. He's gotten out of his division and cashed a few times, and he cashed big as the 1250 number two dynasty champ in 2017. Please welcome in this week's guest, Mr. Steve Lee. Steve, welcome into the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. It is... uh, only a few days away until the NFL draft starts. I can imagine uh, you are uh, desperately counting down the days till we find out where these guys are going to end up so you can start plotting out your rookie drafts, right? Yeah, like everybody else. You know, I mean, I've got my rookie board up and uh, spending a lot of time and uh, assimilating a lot of information, watching a lot of game film. Um, and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to, to seeing where these guys land because, you know, that's going to be a big factor for a lot of these guys. Uh, Steve, before we get into some dynasty uh, fantasy football talk and some redraft stuff as well, tell, tell the uh, listeners what you do for a living. So I'm actually a biochemist um, by training. I, I spent my career developing medical diagnostic tests, but I was uh, fortunate enough uh, to retire at a relatively early age a few years ago. So I still do consulting, um, but it's given me a lot more time to spend on fantasy football, which is, you know, as, as I said, it's been a, a great experience with FFPC in particular. It's just not, it's not fair to the, everybody else, Dave, when you have a retired biochemist with his knowledge and the time at his disposal to put together these monster dynasty teams. But that's awesome. That, that's uh, fantastic. I have no job-related questions. For yeah, I was, I, that was my next question. Because normally I am you not like to, bright enough to even ask a biochemical question. Let's, let's dumb it down here, Dave, so, so Steve gets to be on our level uh, and, and ask him some uh, fantasy football stuff. So you took down the yeah, 1250 title last year. You have a ton of great talent uh, you have on your team. You have Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, uh, and more. Do you have any thoughts on trying to trade A.J. Green? He's, I guess, one of your uh, your old fellows. For another young piece, or just be uh, you know all young and that and on the up- uptick. Or what do you, what do you think about trading A.J. Green? Yeah, I, I actually haven't thought really about trading him. I, I just say that the team is is pretty young right now. Um, it's funny. I mean, I acquired. Green in a trade uh, this time last off season. In fact, it, it, that trade actually came up. I remember listening on one of your podcasts last year um, because you had Andy Shaw on. He was on the other end of that that deal, and I guess the trade came up in one of the questions. Um, and uh, so I acquired him in a trade where I was really trying to shore up my tight end depth, and I traded away Odell Beckham for AJ um, the 108 and uh, Austin Hooper. So this past year was my starting tight end, which just tells you how shaky my tight end's position has been. Um, so, you know, I mean, I recognized really when I got green, you know, I had maybe three years of his, you know, a, a reasonably high productivity. 
Um, he's so he's 29. He's under contract through 2019. So I'm planning on probably hanging on to him. My team is pretty much built to win now, um, and I've got plenty of youth coming through. Yeah, plenty of youth and built to win now. The two uh, most elusive things that you can get in Dynasty, you got the best of both worlds in uh, in, in in that 1250 number two league for sure. Right. Uh, you also have D.D. Westbrook uh, on this squad, Steve. I want to ask you not necessarily about uh, your fantasy team with them, but his real-life team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dante Moncrief, whom they just signed, has struggled to be consistent uh, over the course of his career. Marquise Lee also struggled to stay on the field as he's been hurt quite a bit over the course of his time in Jacksonville. What kind of season, knowing that about Moncrief and Lee, what kind of season do you think is in store for D.D. Westbrook this year? Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about Westbrook. I mean, obviously I liked him coming out of uh, Oklahoma. and I, You know, I drafted him in, in a few leagues. Um you know, obviously he's not a big receiver, but you know he's fast. He, he ran a sub for for forty at um, you know his pro day coming out, and um, he was very productive in college. So I'm optimistic for the season going forward. As you say, there's not a lot of talent in front of him, and I was impressed with the amount of playing time he did get when he came off of IR. Um, I guess it was week eleven um, during the, the uh, last season. Um, he wasn't as productive with his targets. As I would have liked, but I'm willing to chalk that up to, um, you know, just a rookie learning curve. And uh, like I said, you know, there's lots of opportunity for him in, in Jacksonville. You know, he's going to be, a, I, I think, a big, big threat. What do we think about Keelan Cole? Yeah, he's another guy that's kind of gumming up the works in Jacksonville. He really came on at the end of last year. I don't think you can get much for him if you tried to trade for him uh, right now in Dynasty, but you can def- or if you were trying to you know, get, get him off your team. But if you're trying to acquire him as a flyer, which I probably wouldn't recommend in the FFPC with, with the short benches right now, you could get him for probably next to nothing, I would imagine. Right, Steve? Can you talk about Cole? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think you you can get him uh, pretty cheaply. And, and again, you know, he looked he looked very good too. And you know, um, towards the end of last season, so you know, it's no lock. I mean, Westbrook's no lock to to you know get um, to be you know uh, highly productive. But I, I think you know, given his pedigree, given his um, you know the market share he achieved in college, and given what he did in uh, in limited time towards the end of the season, you know, he's a He's a strong hold for me. Um, and, again, I, mean, I think it's the same with, as with Cole. If, if, even if I tried to move Westbrook, I wouldn't – I don't think I'd get what his value is. Interesting. Yeah. dee has got the coolest name, though, by the way. Yeah, and you know what, Dave? You, you love the name and the looks of players. I feel like that's an under underutilized um, – uh, scouting method by a lot of the analysts in the industry. You talk about guys' names and what they look like. Yeah, that's true. You know, they got to look good. Uh, so, Steve, you got uh, you have five FFPC Dynasty teams. Have you ever made trade or waiver wire decisions that were affected by not wanting to own the same player on too many squads? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, yes, n- not usually when I'm making waiver wire decisions, but if I'm drafting and trading, I will. But usually only if it's a close decision. You know, if I'm choosing between two similar options, you know, in a, if I'm drafting or, or in a trade where, you know, someone's like a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy, I might limit uh, the number of shares I have of that yeah. person. Say again? 
talking with yeah no 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 you're good you're good we're talking with Steve Lee the uh, the 1250 number two uh, FFPC dynasty champ tonight here on the high stakes fantasy football hour I, I gotta okay there, there's going to be a, a certain amount of people that are going to be jumping into dynasty for the first time um, whether it's high stakes like the FFPC a basement league or what have you it is different than playing uh, in uh, in redraft leagues in annual leagues. What do you think, Steve, and you can talk about this from dynasty level or, or the high-stakes dynasty level, uh, in your experience, what's the biggest mistake uh, that, uh, that you think the majority of new dynasty owners make or maybe ones that are, are experienced that they continue to, to make? Well, I mean, well, with, with the caveat that I'm not sure I've been playing high-stakes dynasty long enough to be dishing out advice, um, maybe what I will do is maybe point to things I do differently maybe some other players. I mean, the main thing for me is patience. I mean, I, I like to have a, a long-term plan for each franchise that I own. Um, and that's usually a three- to five-year plan. Um, and I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, you can't look more than, you know, three, more than three years out. But I think you at least have to try. Um, and then as things change, you update your strategic plan, you know, accordingly. Um I build my teams more through the draft and the waiver wire than I do through trading. Um, I mean, I do trade, but I'm not one of these hyperactive traders who's cycling a lot of players through their roster. Um, and I think the draft and the waiver wire actually are under undervalued by dynasty um, players because you know they, they tend to be trading so much they really don't necessarily put in the time um, in player evaluation, because um, there's so many resources um, that are out there now in terms of the film breakdown, and, and obviously, you know, you've got Waldman's, you know, 1,700-page analysis of uh, rookie players to get through it, a ton of other guys, there's so many podcasts, um, there's so much information you can triangulate, so, so yeah, I, I guess I take a, a longer-term view, and, and I would say maybe, you know, um, if anything, it's it's uh, focusing more on the uh, the draft and also the, the draft feeds into the waiver wire um, acquisition too because there's guys that you look at one year in um, your draft analysis and then, you know, for whatever reason, they're, they're, they're still free agents, you know, two years later. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is a good example of that who, who's on this 1250, uh, number two team. Um, you know, I acquired him off the waiver wire um, before he started to break out in Philadelphia when he nailed down that that slot position there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a summary of that, I guess. And I think too, you talk about the waiver, waiver wire being underused a lot of times. And Dave, you can, you can chime in on this. I think that some guys are more hesitant to let younger players go that have not proven themselves, that have not become viable weekly fantasy assets. They're more likely to give them a much longer leash and not part with them and pick up that hot waiver wire guy, especially if it's a guy who's been in the league for two or three years, who has had the chance, has not taken advantage of it, and then you pluck a guy like that off the waiver wire, maybe he's not necessarily part of a two- or three-year plan, but he can definitely fill in for you uh, and, and be a, a, a contributing asset for that season. And if you're um, active early on in the season, you can get guys like that. And I think Dynasty, you don't see that as much as you do in redraft. Makes a lot of sense. I always want to try and get rid of my roster clogger. Yeah, exactly. They are the worst. 
And uh, I was happy to make a trade. I actually dealt away a few of those the other day. So, uh, oh, good for you. I can never do that. <laughs> I feel guilty offering it a lot of times, too. Like, yeah. just, I had one tonight. Uh, I, was, I was trying to get Christian McCaffrey in a league. And, and this, well, I'll, here's, here's what was going on with it. The guy had uh, Delaney Walker as his only tight end, and his number three receiver was Corey Coleman. So I offered him uh, Jarvis Landry, Pierre Garçon, Jordan Reed, and a second-round pick, and he turned it down. And I don't blame him, but I, I feel it's like... It's not the worst if he was close. Yeah, and, yeah. and I feel... And he had the roster space, dude. I feel like it's kind of like... Not that those players are trash, but Garçon's getting older. Jordan Reed, we don't... I felt kind of guilty even offering it for a young, <laughs> you know, pedigree guy type like, uh, like Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Uh, what do you think, Steve? You just turned that down, right? Um, yeah, I don't think I'd have done that right yeah, yeah. No one else was lured in by it as well. So, hey, let's talk about uh, two of these young fellas, Michael Gallup or Equinemius St. Brown. Did I say it right, Bucky? Equinemius? Whatever. I think. I don't know. The Notre Dame wide receiver. Yeah. Or Michael, who he was a little bit of an underperformer last year with bad quarterback play. Or Michael, the great name for a wide receiver, Gallup. Who do you like better for Dynasty as a rookie? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you ask that because that's a real easy question, right? Um I mean, both those guys, you know, I've got ranked, you know, fairly closely on my board. They're both early second round to mid second round picks, depending on landing spot and, you know, a few other things that might happen in the drafts. Um, you know, Gallup's probably the more pro ready of the two, truthfully, but ESB, you know, arguably has the higher upside just because of his size speed combination. The fact he broke out so young in college, which, you know, as you know, counts for a lot. It's a very strong predictor for, um, for wideout success in the NFL. Um, so which one I take, would, you know, as I say, it would largely depend, to some, well, to some extent certainly on landing spot, and maybe also on just your risk problems, because, you know, ESB, you know, has the, the higher upside, but I think he has some more risk. You know, when you watch him on film, they're actually, ESB is, you know, he, he's obviously got the size and the speed, but you watch him on film, and sometimes he doesn't play as big as he is. Whereas Gallup's the other way. He's a big effort guy. He plays bigger than he is. Um, so, you know, like I said, your choice outside a landing spot might come down to risk tolerance. Have I stayed the so Steve, you, okay. okay. You mentioned breaking out of the young players. So let me just ask you this and, you know, reveal what you want or, or don't. Um, but uh, do you subscribe to Rotoviz? You're familiar with the, the Phenom article that they have every year that just came out recently? Um, yeah, I do. It's another piece. I mean, you can't argue with statistics. I mean, when you right. when you combine the breakout age with the draft equity of where these guys are drafted in the NFL, the success rate um, is is very it's why well, it's pretty predictive. I mean, you can't argue with the statistics. So it's you know I, I, you can't. It's like anything else. You can't slavishly follow one. One metric, but you you know you triangulate that along with the combine, your own film review, all the analysis from people you respect in the industry. It's, but it's certainly one um, important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Well, I just want to follow up. I mean, so in that article, they they didn't list a, a pen wide receiver Justin Watson initially, but uh, John Moore then listed him off. Of, you know, someone asked on Twitter for it, and he came in as the number two wide receiver for Phenom Twitter. It was just over a three uh, so do you, have any, do you have an opinion on Justin Watson coming out of the pen? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty phenomenal phenom score. His uh, pro day was fantastic. 
And it sounds like he's coming out. A lot of these teams that are the smart franchises, like Pittsburgh and Green Bay, have brought him in for visits. And this is an Ivy League-educated yeah. uh, college prospect, too. I mean, the Ivy Leagues are overrated. We all know that. <laughs> Unless you teach at one. Well, yeah, then yeah, Clearly, yeah. you're the, crop, the cream of the crop, then. Yeah, um, guys, you have me at a disadvantage there. I'm actually going to have to play the fifth on, on Justin Watson. I, I haven't um, – first of all, he's not ranked very highly on my board, and I probably need to dig into that. Um, based on just what you've said, to, to see if there's more into it. I can't, uh, truthfully, you know, add much more to that, to be honest with you. And, 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 see where and we will. And, Steve, I will say this. I have, had, I have had conversations with one person about Justin Watson, and it's Dave Gerzak. So I don't think you're alone in not knowing, like, super, you know, being super familiar with this game. Um, well, the Steelers and the Packers know who he is. Right. Well, listen, but I'm not. I'm not friends with the Steelers nor the Packers. I don't. I don't Steelers know what, Rogers, they, what they're way. doing. Uh, let's get back. We've been talking about rookies. I do want to talk about one um, NFL free agent who is not a free agent in dynasty league, and that's Des Bryant. Um, what would you give up for him if the Bryant owner in your league wanted to trade him to you? And actually, Stone Cold Beast in the uh, chat room <laughs> says he wants to know what's the best landing spot for Des Bryant, uh, where you would be rooting for him to. Uh, to, to uh, sign. Didn't you know, someone also ask if he would covalently bond with oh, the Giants? Oh, yes. And at the biochemistry question of the night, uh, Kern, Kern Reeve, our resident Ivy League professor, wants to know if, uh, if Des would, what, what, was, what would it be? Covalently bond. Covalently bond to the Giants. <laughs> That's very good. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that the Giants would be such a great landing spot for him anyway. I mean, you know, there's a there's enough competition for targets there, you know, between uh, OBJ and Shepard and, and Evan Ingram, as it is. Um, I mean, Dez, I actually own Dez in one of my leagues. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't really tried to move him right now because, you know, I think his value is about as low as it's going to get. At least I hope it's as low as it's going to get. Um, you know, you, you could his fair value right now is probably a late first, early second. Um, I mean, you're seeing him go in like the sixth or even the seventh round in current redrafts, which, you know, it's staggering, really. Um, but there's no question his productivity has declined precipitously. And I guess it, 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 we'll have to see where he ends up and whether he can kind of reinvent himself as a receiver the way Larry Fitzgerald has over the years. Um and if he if he does, then you know you might have an opportunity to move him for you know something more than that, um, and perhaps get a, a decent a decent player or, or draft pick in in return. Um, you know, obviously, if he went to to Green Bay, I think we'd all that would perk up everybody's interest in uh, you know in his in his future. But at the end of the day, like I said, he he needs to kind of reinvent himself a little bit. Um, and uh, just, you know, become a, a better receiver as his, you know, physical skills have, have kind of declined. Yeah, they, uh, they definitely have. He needs to, again, you know, just re- reform how he wins in the NFL, how he gets open, how he catches the football, how he puts up numbers, how he becomes an asset to the, uh, his next team, whoever it is. He needs to uh, adjust uh, with his, you know, changing body. As he's going through like his, his post NFL puberty. Yeah, he's he's going through his post NFL, uh, you know, late puberty. Uh, so he needs to he needs to find out uh, how he can still 
be an asset for his next team. All right, let's talk about some running backs that... Uh, you didn't like that analogy? It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> All right. Running backs that are in uh, little precarious situations, at least from a fantasy perspective, we have Alex Collins, starter, Kenyon Drake, starter, and Isaiah Crowell, starter. They all are, you know, they all are starters. But in four or five days here, we, they may be looking... They may not be. Or actually, they may still be, but from all of our perspectives, they already lost their jobs, even though none of the minicamps even started. Right. Uh, do you want any of those players, and are you floating, up, floating them out there to trade them away or trying to acquire any of them? I have uh, actually a number of shares of Crowell. Um, I haven't really been trying to move him largely because, you know, I don't think I can get what he's worth um, right now. You know, on the back of, you know, what was fairly inconsistent productivity in Cleveland. And obviously now he's moving to the Jets, which, you know, let's face it, nobody views as a real powerhouse offense. Um, but, but the guy has a, you know, a career 4.2 yards of carry um, you know, uh, product production, he, and he, he can catch the ball, and he can be a three-down back, and he's still only 25. So, yeah, he's a hold for me. Um, I don't have shares of Kenyon Drake or Alex Collins. I mean, of the three, I think Kenyon Drake is probably the most marketable. Um, you're seeing him go, you know, around the fourth round in redraft leagues. So um, if I owned him, I would definitely be looking to, to move him just because, of the uncertainty of his role going forward and, and you know, not knowing what, what's going to happen in the draft. Let's get to some uh, listener emails here for you, uh, Steve. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry, Dave. Do you so have... is Duke Johnson. We yeah. have to talk about him. Yeah, well, go ahead. Do you think, so there's rumors, you know, the big rumor is that Cleveland takes quarterback at one and that uh, Barkley goes at two. So that kind of leaves Duke Johnson's passing game role, you know, back in play, you know, back to normal, so to speak, which is an RB2 role. Do you... What do you think about picking up Duke Johnson for cheap? You know, because he's probably not – people may not be paying attention to that. Do you think that's an uh, interesting idea? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you don't know who – I mean, Cleveland's going to add a back, obviously. You just don't know what the pass-catching capability of that back is going to be. Um, I do like Duke Johnson, though. Um, I own him um, in a couple of leagues. And uh, I um, – yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, but again, you know, we'll just have to see how it shakes out in the draft. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of backs who have pretty good pass catching capability in this rookie draft. I mean, this this rookie draft is, is obviously, as you know, guys know, is you know by far the deepest uh, running back class for I don't know, I, it, well, in my recent memory, anyway. It's sure, it's sure. Yeah, I can't. I, I honestly can't think of a deeper one than. I mean, there's so many. Like, well, Dave and I, Dave and I have been talking about this. Like, you know, even mid to late second round picks, maybe even an early third round pick, that could have a, a lot bigger value uh, than than it did in previous years uh, for sure. Would you buy Drake for the two eleven? Anyone? I, mean, I think Meyer might have him here. If I if I had Kenyon Drake, yeah. would I? No, if you well, if you had the two eleven, would you pay for the pay, pay for Drake? Would you sell him for that? Um, well, Steve's the same question. This is my greedy question. Here. Yeah, no, I, I think, and and I'll Steve, I'll let you answer in a second. I think I would probably rather have Kenyon Drake than the two eleven. So I would surrender the two eleven, even with this okay, this draft. I would probably give that up for Kenyon right, Drake. Steve, what do you think? Two eleven or Drake? What do you I like? would. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd do it for a late second, but I'd do it for a mid second or better. So you'd rather have Drake? Uh, all right. Yeah, I, I would. All right, back to the email. Just 
All right. Okay. That, let's pretend that was an email. We, lo- we, we all love the Drake, Dave. I think that's, that's the moral of the story here. Uh, let's go to Josh in Seymour, Texas. He writes, hey, Steve, would you trade Juju Smith-Schuster for the 103 right now? I also have Corey Davis, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Allen Robinson at receiver, and Shady, Ingram, and McKinnon at running back. Thanks for the email, Josh, in Seymour, Texas. So this guy's fairly deep uh, at receiver, fairly young at receiver, too. His running backs are not the youngest guys in the world. Uh, would you, if you were in this situation, would you trade Juju for the, uh, for the 103 rookie pick? I love Juju, but I would make that trade if I had that franchise with that composition, just because you could get Nick Chubb and combine him with the, you know, the, the other talent, you've got a, a receiver and you'd be in a very strong shape. I mean, you know, like I said, I love Juju, but I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm big on making strategic trades like that. I don't mind giving up value um, if, it, if it makes sense for the team. Let's, uh, let's, see, let's see, we have one more email, I think, here. Yeah, Orlando, Florida. This is Will. He writes, some guy just offered me Tevin Coleman – for Jay Ajayi in one of my dynasty leagues, is this the one I should pull the trigger on? Nice job in the FFPC last season. Thanks for the email. Will in Orlando, Florida. So I guess this is a head-to-head question. Who would you rather own in dynasty? Is it Tevin Coleman or is it Jay Ajayi, Steve? Wow, that is that is a tough question. Um, I, I think I got a lot of time for Tevin Coleman, and I, you know, obviously he's um, he's in the I think the final year of his contract. In Atlanta, and I could see that guy having a a big role if he goes if he goes somewhere else. I could see him being a full time a full time back. Um, having said that, uh, that's a great eagle offense. I'd probably take the Ajayi into that deal. Dave, where do you fall in that? Who would you, you'd probably rather own Tevin? Well, I don't know. You, you it doesn't seem like you like Coleman or Ajayi historically. Um, like right. we, we, I, you don't like either one of them. I, and by the way, Steve was right. This is a contract year for Coleman. He is a free agent. Next I would year. take Coleman probably. You would take Coleman. Be, is it the youth thing? That, the opportunity to be the man somewhere next year? Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I don't mind his speed. He could he could emerge somewhere. I don't think he will probably. But Ajayi, I mean, he's, I still worry a little bit about the knee thing. Yeah. Plus, he's been passed around. I don't like players who get passed around. A.K.A. Brandon Cooks is on my poop list. Well, Jai, he hasn't really been passed around. Well, once. Yeah. And, and Cooks, it's like, you know, what, you know, was this guy the biggest a-hole in the room? I mean, you know, he must be a very nice fellow. But the other thing to keep in mind about Ajay, and, and we'll, we'll move on after this, but I will just say that he is the starting running back on a Super Bowl team, uh, and this offense looks awesome. As of right now, yeah. As of right now. So, I don't know, you, you could ride him up for the next few years, too. That's a good point. Good point. All right, uh, do you have one last uh, question for Steve before we let him go into yes, the, Steve, we, into the uh, weekend here? Yes, we need to know. We need, a, we need as much info as we can. Right. We need a first-round... Dynasty draft rookie bust. God, that's a tough, a lot of adjectives. Yep, a lot of modifiers. And then, <laughs> someone's going to the second or third round of rookie drafts so is going to have a fantastic fantasy career. And we'll be checking back in a couple of years on this. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, I, I, I hate to clear anybody up to this stage. I, I, I'll tell you a guy I'm staying away from who seems to be in most people's first round, and that's Ronald Jones. Um, and that, that really reflects a bias maybe that I have against players where I can't really envisage what they're going to be in the NFL. Um, you know, when you look at his tape, you know, obviously he's got great speed and quickness, tremendous burst. He's elusive, at least for the open field. Um, 
but he, you know, he's undersized. You know, you, you watch him and you, you think he's not going to make a living running inside. So how productive is he going to be in fantasy if he's not going to catch the ball a lot? And it, he didn't catch the ball a lot in college. So I just don't have – there's just too many questions about him for me to take him in the first round. Um, as far as a guy who's, you know, I like who you can get a lot later, you know, maybe a, a late second, um, I'll go with Deion Kane, wide receiver out of Clemson. Um, you know, he's uh, 6'2", 205. He's a great hands catcher. and He ran a 4'4", so he's plenty fast enough. Um, and he looks real elusive uh, on film. You know, great, you know, after-the-catch kind of skills. And, and he makes these really sharp lateral cuts. And then when you match that up with his combine numbers and you see his three-cone, the athleticism that he put up at the, uh, in the combine matches what you see in film, which... For me, it's always a good thing. It just kind of reinforces, you know, your view. So, yeah, so he is a guy I'm, I'm very high on. It's a, a late second-round pick. I like that. Yeah, I do, too. I, think I that have a 211 thing. Since Meyer turned down the Drake offer. Oh, there you so go. Just, it's, Thanks, a, it's a free Deion Kane for Dave Gerzak yeah, tonight. Beautiful. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, what a conversation it was with, uh, with Steve Lee, the 1250 number two FFPC Dynasty champ joining us tonight. Steve, I want to thank you uh, uh, for spending some time with us, uh, letting us pick your brain, and good luck not only in that 1250 number two, but all your dynasty leagues and the main event this year too. Maybe this will be the year that uh, you, you stop winning. Um, you know, the, the winning doesn't stop with your league cash. Maybe you'll end up uh, placing pretty high in the championship round. You never know. So thanks so much for joining the show. Best of luck to you this year, man. Thanks a lot, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Steve. Steve Lee, ladies and gentlemen, the 1250 number two FFPC Dynasty League champion. Dave, I got to say, speaking of, you know, Steve talked about reinforcing views. Yes. My views have been reinforced tonight once again on Ronald Jones and Deion Kane. Do you remember a few months ago I said, boy, every time we ask who's going to be a first-round bust this year, you knew his name kept coming up? Des Bryant, Des Bryant, Des Bryant. Um, you don't remember this? First-round bust. Well, not a first round, but like an early round bust for redraft. Okay. You know, we talk about yeah, that. I was like the 12th. Right, yes. Is he really drafted? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, you know, these guys anyway, are like picking like, you know. So I, I ended up trading. Paul Anderson's my bust, you know. So I ended up trading Des Bryant in Dynasty, and I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. Um, what did you get from? The 201. I feel like I talk uh, about it every, uh, every single week. It, it, I'm, <laughs> I'm boring myself with it. But um, I'm getting a lot of feedback on first-round bust, Ronald Jones. This is a guy I kind of liked early in the process, and I, I don't think I like as much anymore. It seems like high-stakes players are, are off him a little bit. And Deion Kane's name is coming up as a second-round, third-round sleeper as well. You know, I don't know, with Jones, I mean, because of the, the injury and because you know, he claimed he was 80% of his workout, right. I, saw, I, you know, I, I did watch the film. Like, he looked really good on film. And uh, I'm going to just let the NFL evaluate that a little bit. I'm going to see where he gets drafted, and then I'll make my decision. I'm not, I, I, I find it too, a little too tough to evaluate him without – if he goes in the second round, you know, then it's like, all right, we're back. You know? yeah. But if he goes in the fourth, well, then they – Obviously. Well, I mean, not that that's the worst. I mean, you know, I think we're going to in the fourth. Right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's, but it's, it's a big difference, obviously. It is so, a massive yeah, difference. There you go. Uh, Jake Valish and Jake, you got to tell me how to pronounce your name, man. You, you always offer up this great stuff in the chat room, and I butcher your name every week. Uh, trade question for him, Kareem Hunt, Brandon Cooks in the 201, or Thomas, I'm not sure which Thomas that is. Michael? Michael, Michael Thomas, okay. I don't know if it was Demarius or whoever it was. Uh, Michael Thomas, Kenyon Drake in the 103, which side of that deal would you rather have, Dave? 
Uh, give me a second because that's actually a lot of talent going around. Um, Boy, that is tough. I think I am leaning to, I don't know, probably the hunt side. I think, I think I'd rather have the hunt cooks 201. Um, Valike. Valike, he says. Jake Valike. Thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> that, Jake. I don't know. You know what? Hey, that's the more fancy pants. I know. I do. Listen, <laughs> I, uh, I, I check to the, uh, to the more fancier pronunciation a lot of times. Jake Valike. I got to get that right. Um, I don't know. I, I... Hunt Cooks 201. Michael Thomas, Kenyon Drake, 103. I know it's tough because you have the eliteness of Kareem Hunt, but then you have the eliteness of Michael Thomas, and then I'm trying to find the trade. Yeah. And then it's it's sort of it's sort of um, you know Michael Thomas or excuse me Kenyon Drake and and Brandon Cooks are like the secondary options there, but then you have the massive you know eleven pick or uh, not eleven pick uh, nine pick dif- or ten pick difference between the one hundred three and the two hundred one too. Yeah, so you're looking at like a Sony Michelle or Chubb type player at one hundred three, right. two hundred one. You're looking at. One of the probably one of the top four wide receivers, probably the third or fourth one, or like well, a goater type who, guy. Who is the top four receivers for you? I, I didn't realize you tiered them out that way. Well, I'm not I'm not tearing them out necessarily. Well, no, but you say like top four to me that, that there there's an unspoken cutoff of, of talent between just, four and five. Well, I was just actually including like eight running backs during a draft. Okay, early. I understand uh, now. For me, it's PJ Moore and everybody else right. at this point. Okay, but you know, depending upon where Ridley goes, I know everybody's crapping all over Ridley like yep. he's the worst. But if he goes in the first round, he still went in the first round. You know what I mean? I know he didn't have right. the best combine. I know his, his stats weren't the best in Alabama and all that. Phenom's score wasn't the greatest. But if he goes early, you have to consider him at least. Oh, I will consider him. <laughs> and that's probably where we're at. So which side of the trade are uh, you bowing out on this one? I'll, t- I'll take the side with the, the players. The, I'll take the hunt side. The hunt side, okay. All right, thanks to uh, Football Guys, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Dave, I want to bring up our friends at Football Guys here for a second. We do a show called The Audible every Thursday night, except for when they don't do it on Thursday night. Um, They brought up, they bring up, like, the lead story, and I think I'm exaggerating a little bit here, 95% of the time, the lead story for, like, the last 18 months, Andrew Luck. What's going on with Andrew Luck? Why do they keep talking? I mean, we... Okay, hold on. So as my tribute to the Audible, we are going to bring up Andrew Luck as the first part of our rundown tonight. Now I'm going to read this without commentary, and I'm just going to let you take it away because I feel like this is when our Andrew Luck analysis is best. Chris Ballard confirmed that Andrew Luck is still not throwing a football. This is according to Mike Wallace on Twitter. Chris Ballard says, however, a lot of the exercises Luck's been doing are, quote, conducive to the same thing. Ballard, <laughs> what the hell? Ba- Ballard also said that Indianapolis' decision to trade down from the number three pick shows that the team is confident in Luck's long-term health. Does the hashtag me dost think thou dost protest too much still apply here? Because I think it does. You know, it's funny. I just Googled Chris Ballard, and I was about to rip on how much of a dummy, dummy he is. He went to Madison. Oh, really? UW Madison? How yeah. about that? So he's a, he's a genius. Well, I wouldn't say there's plenty know, of morons I, who went there, too. Yeah, I mean... I, I think he's just, it's all wishful thinking. Wasp guy. He can drill the Nerf balls, though. Ah, see, hopefully you lost my Twitter. You know, that's, Chris Ballard, you are making mistakes. You should be drafting, they should draft a quarterback. Yeah, at at six. Yeah, and they traded down, right? For what? They traded down from three. At six, one, you know, maybe, Rosen maybe should be there, you would Rosen, think. Rosen, one of those guys would be there. I don't there. know Mayfield will. Well, what I, I feel like you said, one of them will be there. Lamar, Somebody, Lamar Jackson will be there. He'll be there almost for sure. He'll probably... 
Well, he'll be there until like 15 when the Cardinals pick or the. Uh, you know what? He's still great. I was just I'm going to change topics a little bit. Okay. Is if the Patriots trade Gronk and draft that Dallas Goddard guy, whatever, how you're Goddard. Yeah, Goddard. And then and draft Lamar Jackson. And then get, get rid of, like Brady retires after 2018. Right. And then. Um, Belichick completely retooled the offense around Lamar Jackson and continues to win Super Bowls. That would be great. And just, it's just like, look, I'm a genius. It wasn't Brady the whole time. Yep. That would be awesome. Anyway, back to this whole thing. We don't have to talk about Andrew Luck anymore. I just, I put that in for comical reasons. Uh, Stone Cold Beast trade question. Someone in our league offered OBJ for the 101 that was rejected. Crazy or not crazy? It's definitely not crazy. What would you rather have, Beckham or the 101, Dave? Um, so it's, it's Beckham or Barkley. Um, Basically. You know, I'll, t- I'll take Barkley over. I think I would, too. And it, and as you know, crazy as it seems. Yeah, Beckham's, you know, like I've said this before on the show, Beckham's a little flaky, a little flaky for me. He just is, and that's sorry. Well, no, you don't no. have to be sorry. If that's, I mean, like, I'm I think sorry he's, he is flaky. He's, but he's giving us enough uh, ammunition here to use that modifier for him. Like, right, I, I don't think it's inaccurate. It's a quad could bust. I mean, there's maybe a 10% chance, 20% chance. Of, 10% that he ends up being like Reggie Bush, 10% that he just busts out, right? right. I mean, yep. But 80% is still pretty good. I and mean, he could... Based on what people are saying, he could be an LT or AP type career. Yeah. And if uh, the hype is real, Volpe. and if he crushes it his rookie year, then you go ahead and trade him for Beckham and a couple of firsts. <laughs> Boom. Solved. Browns GM John Dorsey said during his pre-draft press conference, he thinks, quote, hand size is important when looking for a quarterback. Or boyfriend. Uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer had, had their support. Dorsey said, you'll laugh at me when I say it, I think hand size is important. Hand size in November or December when it's snowing, raining, it's getting muddy. We all know the elements in Cleveland are going to play a role. Uh, Sam Darnold, 21, 21 fumbles in 24 starts at USC. That's interesting. He did have adequate size uh, to hang on to the football <laughs> and AFC North stadiums late in the season. You worry about that sometimes, quote, he, uh, Cleveland has reportedly uh, considered drafting quarterback with both the number one and number four picks. A, Dave, of course it is. let me ask. There's a lot to unpack here. Give me a percentage chance that the Browns take two quarterbacks with the first two picks. A uh, 10. I don't think it's that high. You get a 10. That's the size of Josh Allen's hand. Interesting. They are the largest, I believe, in this, in this year's draft. Let me pull this up here. Actually, I'm sorry, 10 and an 8. Okay. And uh, who is the next? High? I think um, Josh Rosen was 9 and 7 eighths. if you're looking at hand size. The rest of them are just a little bit smaller. Darnold, nine and three eighths. Um, Lamar Jackson, nine and a half. Nine and a quarter for Mayfield, you know, and uh, Mason Rudolph, nine and an eighth, if you're going down that one. Did I miss anyone? If you were John Dorsey, it doesn't matter. If you were John Dorsey, Mason Rudolph, did you say his? Yeah, nine and an eighth. If you, were, if you were John Dorsey, who would you take number one? I would Not necessarily a quarterback. Oh, if I, yeah, I would take uh, I would take Barkley for sure. You, for no question. Let's, yeah, because, because let's say you're it's all, so easy. There's all these supposedly good quarterbacks, and you pick two picks later. Right. Take Barkley, the one amazing supposed running back. It is, you know, I just don't understand. I mean, I get it. They think that they're so sold on Allen over the other guys. I just don't. It doesn't seem like it's that way, based on what you hear from other scouts. It seems you know, like it's pretty close because there's been like. Four quarterbacks that are supposed to go on number one throughout this process. You know, it is interesting, and granted, this is this would be playing the gambling card a little bit here. I, I, if they took Barkley number one, I really don't think that Allen, if Allen is their guy, I really don't think that he would be taken. He might be there at four, right? I, I would think he should be there because, because Dar- Darnold, would like go, Darnold would go to the Giants then. Probably. And it seems like the Jets like uh, Mayfield. Right. So Allen would, I don't, you know, the whatever. Browns aren't that. You know, they're the Browns. They're still the Browns. They are still the Browns. 
Uh, the Ravens signed Willie Sneed to a two-year, $10.4 million offer sheet, according to Adam Schefter on Twitter. The Saints have five days uh, to match this offer or risk losing him, uh, but the fact that the Saints gave him an original round tender and they just signed Cameron Meredith to a two-year, $9.6 million contract, I think Sneed is going to be a Raven. Remember the Saints also... Just, did they sign him? They... Yeah, it's to an offer sheet, so the okay, Saints right, can right. match it. Uh, thanks for listening, by the way. Saints, I was, sorry, I was reading uh, last night. Yeah, no, I'm sure you had much more important stuff going on. Sipping my drink. Yes. The Saints also <laughs> signed uh, Brandon Coleman this week. So the Ravens now, Dave, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed, even if the Ravens take somebody like Ridley or Sutton in the first round, I don't know how he factors in being an immediate guy in year one. Yeah, they've actually, they actually added a lot on the Ravens have. Crabtree, Brown, Anthony, well. Wow. Yeah, it, it's and Crabtree is clearly the guy to own there. That that's what's so great about Crabtree is I really don't view Snead or John Brown as much of a threat on, on that team to to what Michael Crabtree can do at least for the 2018 season. Mm-hmm. Um, and Crabtree would be an interesting dynasty pickup if you're a championship team that just needs a third, yep, third or fourth wideout. Yep, totally agree. Uh, I want to say, was John Brown's just a one-year deal? Sneeds is obviously a two-year deal. So if they do take a receiver in the first round, you're looking at 2019-2020 uh, for those guys to break out. I don't know if it happens in 2018. Yeah, you were just commenting. I thought there might no, be No, there's no question. Right. The Giants released with a failed physical wide receiver, Brandon Marshall, according to Kimberly Martin on Twitter. Brandon Marshall dominated his one season in New York. 18 catches, 154 yards, and zero touchdowns on 33 targets. He had a season-ending ankle injury in week five. He is now 34 years old. Uh, Said he'd be willing to take a pay cut. Interestingly enough, when Des Bryant talked about going to the Giants on Twitter, Brandon Marshall said, ah, receiver room's too crowded here, buddy. You know, and uh, now Marshall's out of that receiver room. Saves $5.16 million for the Giants in cap space. Dave, is this the precursor for Des Bryant signing with the New York Giants with uh, Beckham, Engram, and potentially Barkley there along with uh, Sterling Shepard? I don't don't think so. This is purely a cap-cutting move that is ridding the Giants of a guy who was not going to contribute for what they were paying him in 2018. That's the way you see it. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Des Des is – He's just not. He's just not worth it. Kind of. It seems like to me. Like a lot of teams are. I think about half the NFL thinks that he's just not worth. Okay, I can see that. Okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Gun to your head. Uh, you have five seconds. Des Bryant is a blank week one. You can't say like bust or something like that. What team? What team is he on? I'll say Packers. Packers percentage chance. Seven. Okay, so you're not confident. I'm just throwing, no, I'm just throwing stuff. You're out not there. confident about where he's gonna sign. Actually, we're just BSing right now. Yes. Okay. All right. I was curious. <laughs> well, I'm not BSing. I mean, I wanted that you're actually. I don't know. I mean, what do you it. think? I don't know. I, I think he's more likely to. I don't think he goes to Green Bay. Um, but yeah, he, say, he says it's because of the past history. Yeah. It's, it's such a who's his agent? His agent needs to tell him, like, look, we're not doing any interviews until you sign with somebody. Don't yeah. talk anymore. Uh, Monday morning quarterback Albert Greer reports that more than one team prefers DJ Moore to Calvin Ridley. Uh, Moore, 39.5-inch vertical, 132-inch broad jump, 6'1". Did he measure at the combine? I think he was 6'2". Okay. Uh, and obviously he was awesome after the catch in Maryland, uh, despite, you know, I don't know how many Mass- quarterbacks. Massive market about. share for that team. Huge market share. Uh, maybe not as fine, as refined as Calvin Ridley's uh, route running, but his physical skills maybe give her him a higher ceiling than Calvin Ridley. I think, Dave, these NFL teams are just listening to our show and hearing us talk up DJ Moore and how much we like him, and that's why all of a sudden they like him more than Ridley. It might be the case. We've been yeah. talking about a lot. We, I, 
I love, I love him. And then that John Moore Phenom score article came out this week. He has the highest ever Phenom score, like 4.6 or something like 4. that. 4.66 is what you told me earlier. And that guy kind of, highest ever. From what I understand, the way that they define it is that that means it's his, like, he has, what did I say, his production was 2.25 standard deviations higher than the average player, and that his, having that production was 2.25 standard deviations younger than the average player. Wow. So, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. And you think about all the great receivers we've seen come through the draft the last few years. Uh, I'm curious. Do you remember in Matt Waldman's um, uh, rookie scouting portfolio, do you know where he had DJ Moore uh, among – because he always does that rank of, like, guys in previous years too, where he compares them to the prospects of, like, the previous three years or four years, and then he ranks all those guys together. I think he had them up there. I can just – Hold up quick. I, it, I'm just giving, I guess you I'm don't have to bring time. it up. I was just curious if you if you remember off the top of your head, you know, roughly where he was and, and, and how much he liked DJ Moore in comparison to the other receivers that have come out over the last few years. Over the last few years? Yeah. I'm trying to think, oh, that word's 2015 versus Right, that. yeah, yeah. I don't even know where, I mean, it's 1,734 pages. Where does he put I am. I, that's why I, I didn't want you to look it up. I just was curious if you knew it off the top of your head, so don't worry about Keep it. talking. I'll bring it up in a few minutes. Well, I, there's, okay. So the thing is with DJ Moore, we've talked about him on the show quite a bit. Things we like about him, obviously he blew up the combine. He was uh, heavier and taller than, than, he, than his reported rate, weight and height were at Maryland. Uh, he, obviously the Phenom score from Rotoviz that Dave just talked about. Number five. Number five. Who is he behind? Oh, Laquan Treadwell was okay, number all right, one. Yep, all right. Corey Davis, who was a colossal bust last year, is Come number on. two. We had no touchdowns. Uh, Dante Pettis is number three, and Kelvin Ridley is four. He was really talking up Dante Pettis this week. Um, so I, you know, on the, on by the, the way, way, I apologize if I'm giving away, you know, by the rookie scouting portfolio, I just gave away, you know, five of his rankings with the free content out of 1,734 pages. Matt Waldman, ESPN's Jordan Renan says he's talked with more than a few sources who really like Lamar Jackson. Renan says that he believes five quarterbacks will be drafted within the first 20 picks of the draft. Probably Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. And there is a chance. Oh, you know what? I'm just realizing, Dave, I forgot to put it together. Well, just real quick. Mason Rudolph, Kyle Oletta, potential to go in the first round. But the buzz on Lamar Jackson is growing. Do you think that this is hype or is this like, you know, real actual buzz? Because now we're hearing a lot of stuff, you know. What was the question? I'm sorry. Lamar Jackson, do you think that this is hype or is this legit that he is going to go in the top 20 picks? I think it's, it could be legit. I think that people are, you know, figuring out. They look at the, the stats that he put up. He put up better stats than Barkley. And, you know, and then he has all the – again, I, like I was saying to you, I think, at the office the other day, from a fantasy perspective, Lamar Jackson is going to get you three-quarters of a quarterback and, a, and, a, and an RB1. Yeah. What's what the hell's wrong with that? That's fantastic. But I mean, from a real NFL perspective, if you can manage your team and you know, like Deshaun Watson, like they did with you know Houston, if you can if you can make your offense work around that, I mean, he could be an amazing talent. You're gonna score a ton of points. The Westgate released um, draft props, um, and boy, there were some compelling ones. And I I can't. Ah, damn it! I this is really annoying. I I wanted to have these up because. It had like what's the over under on um on um or will there be more than four and a half quarterbacks drafted? Will be there be more than two and a half running backs drafted in the we first? Should, I'm gonna look that up. Uh, yeah, Why I, we're I, gonna it, have to get that, that prop. Going. It was gonna be I, God, I can't believe I forgot this. I had so much stuff going on and I totally forgot to bring it up. But it was I'm trying to find it right now and I'm not having any kind of success. Oh well. But uh, there is I'm gonna keep looking for it here. People are talking about Mason Rudolph in the late first. Yeah, then that's that's what was. Uh, 
was so compelling. I, I think a I big, found it. A big dude. I no. think I got it. I do have it. Rudolph could be decent too. He could. Okay, so there's a lot of stupid ones here that I don't think are worth worth. Stupid with a well, team. I mean, number of Big Ten That's players team, drafted team, in the team, first team. round. Who cares? Um, number of quarterbacks selected in uh, first round uh, under three and a half is minus one eighty right now. What? Yeah, number of quarterbacks selected in round one. What's under, the over? Plus, plus one three, plus one sixty. Oh my goodness! I would so totally take the over there. Oh yeah. Number of running for like, for like ten grand. Where do we? Where's this? Where's the son of a gun? I just realized I'm looking at the 2017 odds. <laughs> well, this was a complete fail. Thanks for listening, y'all. So ridiculous. I can't believe how. Let's go and let's talk about something else. What's the next topic? This We've got to get past it. I totally. I, I I let the listeners down. Let's get into fantasy they feedback. All right, I'm gonna. Talk about something that if for any of you who subscribe to the Dynasty League football newsletter, there's some uh, good stuff in there every week uh, from Ryan McDowell, who's uh, obviously a uh, really respected Dynasty analyst out there. He writes a column called For Your Eyes Only. And uh, this is going to be for your ears only because I'm going to read some of the stuff he said about receivers. He wanted to look at um, the age that receivers have their best season. You know, Can I guess? I don't, I don't okay, get Go ahead and guess. Uh, 27? Yeah, okay, 27 is your guess. He began, I'm going to cycle through this. He began with the top 100 PPR wide receivers at wide receiver seasons ever, found the average age of those 100 players to be 27.1 years old. Oh, sweet. He narrowed that list to the top 50 of all time, and the age actually increased to 27 and a half. I can see that. He thought the data might be affected by previous eras. No, it's probably by players that are awesome. Okay. But well, he, awesome or players that are awesome. Go ahead, sir. He narrowed the data to only the past 20 seasons. The average age of the top 100 wideouts was still 27.1. The top 50 receivers of the past 20 years, 27.3. So regardless of how he tried to change the data, the age 27 season seems to be a big one for receivers. So that bodes well for obviously receivers. You know, what's interesting is 27, not to talk about baseball. That, that's right. the big breakout year for baseball hitters. Baker is, is 27, that. yeah. Um, so it's interesting that it does for receivers. So you look at um, players who are – either going to be turning 27 or between uh, 28 and 30 when they're still putting up good good numbers. A.J. Green, we mentioned him earlier. With that's, probably the best, that's probably the best combination of testosterone that you still retain and skill level. Could be. Anyway, anyway, I wonder what Watson thought that one. Ryan McDowell <laughs> listed T.Y. Hilton, Adam Thielen, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones, and many others that are in that age range this year. Interesting. So this begs the question, Dave. What yeah. do you want for Alshon Jeffrey and Blake Harrington? <laughs> You know, no, I was trying to trade him off last year. No, I know, I and now I have uh, actual data here that said that uh-huh. was a mistake for me not Somewhere to Somewhere at first. What? You think he's working first, right? Uh, at this point, yeah, I guess he has to be. Um, number one for the, the team that's going to win the Super Bowl per you. Right. Wait, I didn't say that they were going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I said they're, they're competing. Yeah, for sure. Wash guy, nice hypothesis, Dave. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> Ed in Bakersfield, California, can you guys get on board with the Deshaun Jackson bounce back this season with the stuff that's come out about all the extra time he and Winston have been spending together? Thanks for the email, Ed. At the clubs? I am not on board with the bounce back season with uh, Deshaun Jackson, even though I took him in that dispersal draft, and I, I think he might be okay. I don't know, man. I think we've seen the best of Deshaun Jackson. I think Mike like Evans, ago, right? Mike, yeah, Mike Evans controls the targets there. Jameis Winston was talking about this, you know, and he mentioned FaceTime. Like, oh, yeah, we're connecting a lot on FaceTime. I don't know how that helps you 
develop a kid. I don't know how much Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers FaceTime that made them better receivers. You know, <laughs> probably not. So I, I, I think this is a little bit overrated. I'm, I'm, Don't go beast. Djax is done. Yeah, I'm not buying into this. I, yeah, no one else is in dynasty. I couldn't sell him off for less than a Snickers bar, Mark. You, if you could get the 306 right now for Djax, would you take it? You know, I, uh, yeah, it's rookie fever season. I probably would. Yeah. But that's... That's rookie really, fever season. That's getting that's pretty great. late, though. I mean, I prefer, like, the 301 late second, but yeah. Um, Aunt Jemima not down with bounce back from Janus. Dear David Balky, Matt Nagy said today that he wants to move Tariq Cohen around the formation on offense and compared him to Ty Hill. And Cohen says he's... Yeah, Ty Hill. And Cohen says he's put on 10 pounds of muscle this offseason. Are these all signs of a breakout in 2018? Randy in Greenville, North Carolina. Well, Randy, I'll tell you this. Number one, thanks for the email. Number two, I already drafted Tariq Cohen on a team this year, so I'm obligated to tell you I love him, and he's going to be great. Yeah, it could be interesting, really. I like him. Yeah. Um, Jordan Howard is going to be featured in that offense, too. Yeah, so Do I know where he's going? Is that was the next yeah, question. Yeah, where is, he, where is he being drafted? I can oh. tell you exactly where he's being drafted. ADP and FFPC best balls as 7-Eleven right now. It's not cheap. He's open all day, just like he is on the field. <laughs> it's not cheap, but it's not, you know... You know, it's not cheap, but think about it. If you take a tight end early, you stack maybe like three or four receivers early, you get oh, a stud running back in there. Classic bulky plan. No, I'm, I'm not listing them in order, although this is kind of how I formulated that team. <laughs> Tariq Cohen ended up being I, – I, what round did I take him in? I think I took him in the seventh. No, I took him in the sixth. No, the seventh. I took him in the seventh round there, and he is my number two running back. Now I was nervous about that. I thought I screwed it up. I feel okay with it right now. Yeah, so where did so where did Cohen? I'm just trying to look at where Cohen finished last year. He was number 29 running back, averaged 9.2 points per game. Started off hot, kind of struggled a little bit mid-season and late season. Eh, I don't know. I'm, I I don't think I'm all that interested. Okay, his price has to come down for you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he really didn't do a whole lot after the first few weeks. I mean, he did you know a few things, but nothing great. I mean, so effectively, you're going to have to trust coach speak in right. order to actually to your. And, and you're paying for the trust. You're paying for that trust. It's not cheap. Yeah. If he was a 12th rounder, okay, that's fine. It's cheap. What if you loaded up on receivers, tight end, and a stud running back early, and you kind of screwed it up? And I would probably look at somebody else. Who else is being drafted? All right, I'll tell you who's drafted. You want to know who's dra- being drafted after Cohen? Rashad Penny. Yeah, for sure. Rex Burkhead. Yeah, Burkhead, sure. Ronald Jones the second. Well, you know, this is again, these are all these rookie backs, and a lot of times their role, it all seems hunky-dory until they get to a team and they're, you know, doing kickoff. Okay. So I would probably take Cohen, I guess, over Jones. Aaron Jones the first. Oh man, I don't know. This is interesting. Aaron Jones at <laughs> I'll eighty. Take Cohen. Eighty. There's a chance. To back I, I, to totally back. agree. Aaron Jones ADP right now, Dave, of the nine oh three. Jamal Williams nine oh seven. Yeah, people are confused. I would be taking Williams ahead of uh, ahead of Jones. Okay, let's get to a, a fun little draft email here. John Shaw, your friend and mine. Mr. Off the Grid uh, does a lot of great stuff in that league every year. Yes, he's great. He and I have been uh, trading emails over the last few weeks. He had an interesting story on Josh Allen. This is his email. I was at the beach in Destin, Florida at the end of last year with a buddy and his wife party. <laughs> Early one evening, we stopped by a place on the harbor for drinks and dinner. We were at the bar watching Saturday Night Football when these six older ladies walked up. They grabbed a drink and sat down while they waited on their table. They make the trip from Fresno for a week each year, etc. The louder, heavy-set lady asked the bartender to turn the Wyoming game on. She turned out to be Josh Allen's aunt. We chatted with the group, and they were off to dinner. 
After they got through eating, they came back to the bar and were lit up. They ended up running into us at another bar later that night, and Alan's aunt was all over me. She was pretty direct and just wanted to hook up for the week. If she wasn't heavy set, not so loud and looks better, I might have been going to Dallas for the draft with the Allen clan. Ha ha, that is from John Shaw, our friend. You know, that would have been an interesting uh, story of, of John Shaw going with... Uh, so how can, our, like, how can our listeners use that in their draft? Well, I'm not saying that you know, this is necessarily uh, advice, but can you imagine, you know, because they always take the shot of... You know, each of like the the with like a high draft pick on the stage of the commissioner and his family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, can you imagine? We so like look at all oh, there's Josh Allen and say, what the hell is John Shaw doing up there? That's so interesting. Yeah, I answer mine, but this sounded like a Pento House Forum letter from the start. Bucky, you know what? We should, maybe we should do another a different type of podcast. Penthouse Forum letters. Yeah, we I mean, just read off some you know some of that stuff. It'd be great. I would want to get. I, I mean that's. And that'd be okay. I'd want to get. You ever watch that show? Sex sent me to the ER. No. Yeah. That like to do like some sort of audio audio only podcast of that where we could let listeners' imaginations run I wild. I don't like those. I don't like those shows where they make you uncomfortable. Yeah, that's like, what I want to do. I want to make people uncomfortable listening. Like you like, got to be able to fight and listen to this. What's that terrible show on Friday nights with that where they do something? The high stakes fantasy football hour. Well, yeah, that's actually the hilarious answer and true. Yeah, but it's it's on TV Friday nights. Where or what would you do or whatever? I oh hate yeah, yeah, I don't. That's like, like that the worst show, show ever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm just waiting for, for someone to get, like, punched in the face on that show. or somebody It gets, probably happened, somebody and they shot. just didn't televise it. Yeah. You know? Anyway. Speaking of uh, terrible things, you and I made a dynasty trade this week that uh, got a lot of attention on Twitter. Uh, this is in the Gridiron Legends League. I traded you Deshaun Watson and Corey Coleman for the 112 and the 412 picks this year. Thought right. it was all right. I'm going to have to explain myself because (laughs) Jules McLean, who's also in this league, posted on Twitter, I need some opinions on this trade that just went down. I'm not one of the traders. Thoughts, please. Okay? I'm not going to read any of the well-thought-out responses. There were 30-some responses. There is a lot. Half half were actually like, oh, it's okay. I know, but I don't want to read those. That's not fun. I want to read the fun ones. Okay? Go for it. At Shonky... Aussie on Twitter. That's a very bad trade. Uh, frowny face. At Gramley12, I think the Coleman-Watson side wins by a landslide. Um, at A underscore Dynasty Junkie. Horrible trade by the Watson owner. Um, at the real Yateman. Couldn't be more one-sided for the GM receiving Watson and Coleman. Um and I thought, oh, yeah, this is my favorite one. This is the only one I liked. At Revolution 9 the bulky scouting portfolio clearly doesn't know what he slash she is doing. Uh, so, okay. Someone said actually get kicked out of the league for it. Really? Well, Somebody said that? Yeah. Oh, well, she kicked out. no, they said they, you, they wanted you kicked out because of your, flat, your team name is Flat Earth Society. Um, prove it. The, <laughs> Ron, uh, prove it, Round Earther. <laughs> Okay, wait a minute. Um, yeah, there, there was some. Okay, I'm just seeing. I'm re- this is terrible radio. I know. I'm I'm reading this a lot of these for the first time. So anyway, uh, at old Hoovy pants. Yikes. Okay, so the the reason I did this trade. There's a few reasons. I feel like I need to explain myself. Um, a, this was sort of like uh, an agreement we had while the dispersal draft was going on, where. 
I, w- I was asking your opinion, and you're like, oh, Watson's still out there? I'm like, yeah. And everybody else. First will draft you and the other one. Right? right. And everybody, and he already had Rodgers. Um, and I was just letting Cousins or, uh, Watson slip because Cousins was still out there, too. I mean, I didn't care. I hate quarterbacks. Everybody listens to the show knows that, like, I am not a fan of quarterbacks. And I'm, I, if you got to be weak somewhere, I'll be weak there. Uh, so you said you would trade the one two, the one twelve, excuse me, not the one two, the one twelve to me if I drafted Watson, and I drafted Watson, and I thought there was an agreement that I have to get Cousins, and then I would do the trade. <laughs> now it's fine. But yeah, it's, now you mentioned Aaron before. Aaron calls me out all the time on me forgetting stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if I just made that part up in my head and I never said it. So I felt like you know what, I don't want to tick off Dave and and. And not that it would have ticked you off. It wouldn't have. You said it was good either way, but I did want to withhold my end of the bargain. That said, even if that didn't happen, this is a league where quarterbacks are not into one quarterback league. It's, this many, it's a lot of FFPC veterans are in this league. Yeah. Um, uh, Kirk Kikis, uh, uh, Michael Cobb. No, he's not in that. Oh. Michael Cobb is in this one. Um, Jules. Jules McLean, obviously. Meyer. No, Meyer's not in Meyer's not in this one. Um, Danny Mueller is in this league as well. So then a bunch of people I'm I'm forgetting about too. Um, so John anyway, Duckworth. Duck with John Duckworth, obviously. Yeah, he's in this league too. So Dennis Young. This, uh, sorry, John Laskowski, Glenn Lowy. Oh yeah, Glenn Lowy, yeah. Michael Cobb, Dean DeCour, uh, Michael Bernard Bernard. And Nick Z is a pony. Yeah, Nick Zapone. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, that's it anyway. Yeah. So Already quarterbacks are being devalued. You said in this league, it's especially well. No, and people, everyone has a quarterback, right? Like, so no one's paying up. You know, right. No one's going to give you. You know what I mean? Like, no one's giving you the one hundred six. It's like I have Brady in that league, and Brady's getting you know near the end of his career. So I mean, but I wouldn't pay you the one hundred six. I was even the one twelve. It's like the one twelve pick could be what could be that. Like, yeah, right. Go ahead. Well, well I, and um, Pittsburgh Feelers, the the other guy it, who took Rodgers in this league, he saw this trade go down, and then he was trying to trade Rodgers, and he he couldn't. I mean, I think he yeah. still has. I mean, nothing went down, but right. he was looking for something higher than the one twelve. So all, no one, no one would have, no one was willing to pay. That's true. Right. Higher than the one twelve for Aaron Rodgers when he has cut. Right now, not only that, in this league, this this dispersal draft, there is. Uh, not a lot of talent, okay? I know I'm probably not going to... actually more than you thought. But okay, well, I Go ahead. will respectfully disagree. <laughs> um, I don't believe that either of our teams are going to be able to compete in year one. So my thought was that why am I holding a quarterback on my team that I can get a first-round rookie pick for right, right now? Yeah. That never happens. Right. You can almost never trade a quarterback... In, really in any one quarterback dynasty league for a first-round rookie pick, especially rookie fever season right now. I'm like, it, it would be in, I would be an irresponsible owner to not pass that up, given how my team is structured, where now I have, you know, Fournette and Keenan Allen and Kelsey and these guys who should be, you know, contributing for the longer haul. Um, and now I have three of the top 20 rookie picks as well. So when I looked at it that way, when, and when you already have these, hyper successful FFPC owners in here that have had a lot of dynasty success, man, I need all the help I can get. Okay. Like right. this, the, the Watson is not doing, he's doing much more, he's doing he's more still, good for me off my team where I get this first round. Pick. You're going to have to hit on the pick. That's the difference. And you have to, but I can't hit on the pick unless I have the pick. That's true. But I mean, you have, you know, to go the other way. I mean, if Watson ends up being as good as he was, then, you know, you're going to have to hit that pick. And, well. and that and Jack Hahn brought that up on Twitter, too. He's like, look, he's got an injury history now. This is a small sample right. size. We'll see what happens. You know, you know, you know, yeah, he had a great seven games. Big deal. 
And then the thing, I, the whole Corey Coleman, the reason we did that trade is because yeah, I mean, it, Phil seven and four wait went before Coleman. Right, I'm yeah. like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I'm like, I'll give you a four twelve for Coleman. Who cares? I mean, apparently, none of you guys want him. Right. So there you go. And I didn't. Um, but I would rather take the the four twelve, um, just for the unknown, right. you know. And this we made it one deal it was technically two separate deals we talked about. Right. Yep. So. All right, so that's my explanation on that. Hopefully they don't kick me out of Gridiron Legends now after being in it for like two well, weeks. Jewel, Jewel, I feel like, Jewel is not the commissioner. Well, so. but Jewel did say she, she basically said uh, thanks for all the responses. She didn't like the bulky side. Um, only time will tell. Plus, I've been on the perceived wrong side before, and a couple of years it turned out in my favor. There you go. Yeah, no one, and no one, no one really officially posts that. I don't want to – no, I, not that I'm aware of. I don't want to – I don't want to be like a member of like Trump's cabinet in this in this uh, in this league where I'm there for like two weeks and <laughs> then and like, early like oh this slimeball bulky giving <laughs> giving his buddy Gerzak um, you know Deshaun Watson for nothing. Bulky's so. in with the Dems the whole time. Yeah, exactly. He gets busted out. I'm gonna have to rename my team name Deep State or he's, something like that. The Comey of this league. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Well, Balky and Comey both—they uh, sound alike. So yeah. maybe I should name it the Comey Scouting Portfolio. <laughs> okay, so that is going to do it for our show this week, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank uh, Steve Lee for coming on this week. I want to thank Dave Gerzak. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and of course all of you for listening. Uh, want to uh, let everybody know a special programming note: we will have a show on Wednesday. That's right, this Wednesday. We're not going to do a show during the NFL draft. Obviously, everybody's going to be watching it. So we're going to do a show Wednesday. No Dave Gerzak, but it's me. And it's FFPC 750 number 19 dynasty champion, Noah Blum. And, uh, oh, Noah's again? Oh. Yep. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, this show may have already been recorded and in the can. Oh, no wonder. Yes. So that is why Dave was not on it. Um, so that is going to be uh, Wednesday, 10, 9 central. Feel free. The, the show is going to be like live in the chat. You can join in the chat and like listen to the show and communicate with everybody. I might just, come on and just say how the show sucks. Though. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. I fully plan on a lot of people doing that. I just won't be there. It's, it's a recorded show. Register for the main event, Best Ball Dynasty League, now at myffpc.com. Get on those stuff. Well, guys, early bird as well. And uh, your weekend, ladies and gentlemen, which is, I guess, not NFL draft weekend yet. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog, stay on the court. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. You know, what's interesting is uh, we, we had a huge, huge turnout in the chat room tonight. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure why. This is a draft, actually. Yeah, but, well, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, we're also in a twist, another programming note, a, a twist of fate. We're actually having our season finale and season premiere after the Revelation Genesis draft because our schedules didn't match up. We have to total up the Ivy I five on us. No, we should. We need more bets. I well, we can't really do them this year. I know the results. All right. And it was close. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. All right.